I'm just gonna groove into this, yeah? Oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. If this is your first time listening, we got a big open arms. Bring y'all in. This is the place where we talk about all the biggest stories around Apple in the tech world. And, you know, we know that it's a little bit of a slow lull right now. I think that August 11th, it's going to kind of start heating up a little bit because we know that Samsung, they're going to be announcing their new foldable phones, the Z Fold 3 and the Z Flip 3 from what all indications point to. So that will kind of start to ramp things up. But for now, I think that we're really we're really playing around in that Apple rumor territory. It's going to drive us through, but there's some interesting things. Apple announced their third quarter earnings. So we're going to kind of be able to get some indications of how they're doing moving forward and what they're hoping to see. Also, we got some new juicy Mac rumors. You know you're always going to get your iPhone rumors in there, but let's start off with the top story, the big story this week. I mean, this is because it's things aren't really shaking, but things are kind of shaking. If you're if you're whispering or talking about any type of leaks right now, I would I would look over your shoulder. I th- I think you should be very careful because the Apple Popo is a coming. Get down, everybody! All right. So what happened earlier this week is that. Apple warned leakers who've been sharing information that not only could it, you know, potentially hurt Apple's standings, but the main motivation behind it was, at least according to Apple, it could mislead third-party accessory makers and then in turn disappoint customers. They were sending cease and desist letters by legal firms representing Apple internationally as well vice was able to get a hold of the letter and it was the letter initially that they got a hold of was sent to a leaker in china but by putting out some of these cad designs early apple cited that they're warned that accessory makers could produce the wrong dimensions and details about unreleased products and that would not be good for them or for us is is that really the angle that we're going at right now? The other th- part about this is if you remember about, I think it was about maybe a month or two ago, they had already sent similar letters like this to John Prosser, to, oh, uh, is it like Ice Universe, Dylan DKT, diff- a variety of different leakers that tell them you need to stop. Oh, Mr. White is another one concept creator who just, you know, makes these great renders. So I just find it funny that Apple is suggesting here that accessories that don't really fit harm the overall brand in the eyes of customers and that's why this information is very uh, commercially sensitive and could potentially be you know a legal disclosure of apple's trade secrets in the process um it and it could also hurt the potential commercial value according to this document for third parties. <laughs> I mean, you got to try something. So far, this would be the what second cease and desist letter that Apple has started to send out to leakers in the past, I guess let's call it three or four months. And remember, early on in Tim Cook's reign, he said that they were going to double down on secrecy. And we know that Apple has always tried to be as secretive as possible. I would argue 
as someone who covers Apple, I've talked about how, look, the news and the rumors kind of moves the hype train. It keeps us all going. But I think at the same time, y'all can agree the keynotes are not nearly as exciting when we know 95% of the stuff. I think specifically the iPhones, they tend to be the least exciting because that is the product that has been given so much attention. I think we do get surprised a little bit more when it comes to non-Apple products. The iMac, that that was more or less a little bit of a surprise with some of the specs they're doing. Even the things like the power of, and performance of the M1 chip when they first did that presentation, that was exciting. It was actually, at the time, mind-blowing, and people didn't believe that the performance and the specs that they were throwing out in the performance per watt was was real and attainable so you have those moments that are exciting and typically they have to do with the products that we don't know about so i do think this cuts both ways and i don't know if anything's you know cease and desist letters are going to actually stop the leaking community until someone crosses a boundary or apple can really pin something against them but up to this point they haven't but again Be on the lookout. Look over your shoulder, leakers. So while we do that, let's just talk about some leaks. (laughs) A larger redesigned high-end iMac. We talked about in our last podcast about, hey, uh, and I had suggested that this was the direction it was moving in, but Dylan DKT basically said, hey, don't expect the new larger iMac Pro, the 30 to 32-inch iMac in 2021 and look towards 2022. So we've kind of established that, okay, that's what's happening. Well, then Mark Gurman attached another report on that and talked about, he doesn't necessarily confirm it, but he's saying that he believes that Face ID will be coming to the Mac in roughly about the next couple of years. He didn't say next year, definitely not this year, but in the next couple of years, and that all iPhones and iPads will also come with Face ID within a couple of years, pointing to a transition across Apple's entire product line of Face ID finally coming. Now, the interesting thing about this is obviously no, in the Mac, in the iMac, it's possible. He even reported that earlier in the development of the 24-inch iMac that Apple had planned on including Face ID in it, but it was later a feature that was taken out and maybe it didn't perform as well as they thought. I would say, hey, Apple, uh, just copy everything that Windows Hello does because it works really well. Every instance that I've used a Windows machine with Windows Hello and set it up and done reviews and things, it's quite honestly, I don't want to say it's flawless, but it's I felt like it was like 99% always opening really quickly as well. So obviously they can do this. The idea is that we'll have the camera eventually embedded in the display We've seen other companies put actually start trying to put physical selfie cameras under the display, but then there's a lot of distortion. The image quality isn't as clean. I don't think you need as clean of an image quality if you put some sort of biometric camera under the display. It That's not taking pictures that you're going to want to save and share with your friends. So that the image quality for what it captures isn't as important as the shape of the face and the features that can catch three-dimensionally. So I can see that happening a lot a lot sooner than we see an actual camera with high quality uh, selfie camera be implemented. So, But for biometric purposes, absolutely. So we also know that we aren't even 
at 1080p FaceTime HD on Apple's laptops and their MacBook lineup. And we know that's because the displays are too thin. But the goal is, as according to Mark Gurman, in a couple years, that will happen. And, you know, with the iMac, the larger, the larger screen one coming in 2022, maybe it's kind of early to mid-2022. It'll be interesting to see if, because they were working on Face ID there, if, if they're able to squeeze it in. But at least for now, iMac coming in 2022 and Face ID implementation in Macs and iPhones and iPads reportedly within the next couple of years. Does that move the needle that much? I think if you're already in the market to get a Mac, don't, I wouldn't wait for that unless you're specifically waiting for the large screen iMac. Yes. If you're really holding out and you have a machine that's more than capable, my philosophy has always been don't buy a machine until you absolutely need a new machine or when a model that you love so much and you cannot deny comes out, that's when you pull the trigger. Otherwise, you know, let's chill. Let's chill. Just settle down all. Okay. Another Mac story. Looking forward to 2022 again. But let's talk about the Mac Pros. We haven't heard too much about them. There were early reports about two models, one with maybe and maybe holding on to the Intel chip architecture, and then Apple really going with a with a Mac Pro that's about roughly half the size, maybe harkens back to the Apple G4 Cube, but with the current grilled cheese grater design popping in whatever Apple chip that they have in that machine. Well, according to WCCF Tech, which is typically more of a PC Intel processor leaker, he or she has offered information that Intel's next generation Ice Lake Xeon W3300 workstation chips are set to be used in a new Mac Pro that's coming in 2022. And at first, everyone's like, oh no, what about the M1 chip? Well, again, we had earlier heard how Apple was potentially looking to use both in the future, an Intel-based Mac Pro and an Apple M1 or M2 or M1X, whatever process they put in there, not, not an M1, most likely an M1X or M2. Here's the thing. To me, this makes absolute sense because there are people that just purchased a Mac Pro, what, roughly a year and a half ago, that completely invested in this all-new architecture, also the expandability and capabilities in this current Mac Pro are going to be a lot more than what's going to come in something that's half the size, depending on what type of PCI cards, what type of expansion you want. Now, you can always lean on the fact that from what we've seen, Apple's chips don't require nearly as much RAM to get that same powerful performance. So that might eliminate the need for you to have so many available RAM slots, but even from someone like an audio engineer or someone who's doing uh, specific graphics work that wants to get the highest power graphics card, that is probably gonna need more space than something that's a half to a third of the size of the current Mac Pro, that might not make sense for them. So I think that this, and also the M1 and Intel seeing what's happened with Rosetta 2, is absolutely still performing really well. So, of course, eventually they're going to move away from an M1. I'm not saying that, hey, everyone, it's it's okay to stick with Intel, but there's going to be a lot of produ- production people that, with the benefits of what they have right now and maybe graduating to a similar model down the road, that's okay. And the reality is that we don't know exactly how Apple's newest chips will stack up to the 
Intel Xeon W3300 workstation chips. Maybe they're a lot closer than we think. We're going to have to find out and see what Apple can squeeze out from these chips. And I'm not saying they're going to blow them out of the water. Maybe it's comparable enough where it might be a harder decision than people think. We know that Apple is working on some sort of M2-ish M1X chip with roughly 20 to 40 cores with support for 64 to 128 core graphics. Well, the Isolate chips, Isolate, Isolate chips for this new generation would offer up to 38 cores. So, and obviously, you know, clock speed matters, performance per watt matters. We're going to find out what happens. But, you know, Intel is not is not dead. And that's why, you know, we've seen Apple in the past kind of throw bows and be really diggy, specifically at companies that you would might think are direct competition, but they're still partners in Intel and Apple still have a lot of business to do moving forward. Sticking with the Mac, Apple releases the new macOS 12 Monterey public beta. So it's finally public earlier. It's been only available to developers. If you want to try and check out the new macOS Monterey, if you do, partition your hard drive, put it on a separate partition and have it. Do not put it on your main drive, but you'll get some of the benefits like the new Safari. Uh, they have not unlocked universal control, which lets you slide your mouse across multiple displays, whether they're, it's a Mac display to a laptop to an iPad and be able to exchange and drag and drop image or video files into projects across the board. That's not implemented in there yet. But you'll also have access to live text um, in there as well, which has been given support for Intel Macs alongside with M1 Macs. So that, that's pretty cool as well. You get a kind of a bunch of the new quick note features as well. So there's macOS Monterey has a few little bells and whistles, The all the different sharing options as well. I think universal control and live text and then also spatial audio support for AirPods Pro right now. Those are kind of some of the three highlights that I think will change your day-to-day. But Safari, at least on the desktop, not too too drastically different other than how they manage the tabs and the views with that. Now, we want to look down into the future of the Mac. Well, let's talk about what materials they've been playing with. Now, I think a while back, we had talked about this idea and patents that Apple was working on with different treatments to metals, potentially leading into a black matte what a black matte, matte black MacBook Air or MacBook Pro. And I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so amazing. And it was really the process and even kind of how they would etch on the surface to reduce glare and kind of create this more, not, you won't get the phantom black look, but a pretty dark looking, you know, matte black Mac, matte black Mac. Can you say that five times? Matte black, matte black, matte black Mac. That, that's not as easy as it sounds. So Apple's, Recent patent that was revealed from patently Apple shows that Apple's been researching an anti-fingerprint coating against future devices made out of titanium. Now, for those of you who might not be familiar with titanium, this used to be a pretty popular surface material that was used in the Mac, not MacBook Pro, the PowerBook G4. I almost lost my bearings. The PowerBook G4, look it up if you haven't. I think that was arguably one of the most classic Apple laptop designs. The machine was amazing. The performance was amazing. I mean, it was the Pro machine. That was a titanium surface. Now, 
what they've found over time is titanium, although it can be a lot more resistant to scratches versus other materials, it really shows off your fingerprints a lot more. And so Apple's been working on some sort of surface or coating. The patent is actually specifically titled Oxide Coatings for Metal Surfaces and how a thin coating could help reduce the appearance of fingerprints on devices made of titanium. And so this clearly points to Apple playing around with this, not only for the MacBook Pro, but some of their other devices. And then it kind of dovetails perfectly to a recent report that just came out this week as well from JP Morgan Chase that the new iPhone, ooh, let's go, let's look down the road. The new iPhone 14 in 2022, it's expected to have high-end models with a new titanium alloy chassis design as well. So right now we've seen, for the most part, through the history of the iPhone, whether it's the band or surfaces using stainless steel or aluminum. Whoa, is Johnny Johnny have here? Aluminum or aluminum. It sounds so nice when you say it like that. So that would lead us to believe that Apple could be bringing titanium to the band of the iPhone as well. Or maybe, maybe we're getting an all-titanium iPhone one day. The thing is that right now, if you don't remember, Apple revealed some of the Apple Watch Series 6 models, and they were made of titanium as well. The first Apple products that we've seen in a long time where the majority of the surface is titanium, and maybe that was a the first kind of testing ground to see how it performed, right? I mean, we've seen this happen before with every company. It's not like they're going to put it on all their major products, but Clearly, we're kind of, and it it has this nice, the way that they treat the surface, it kind of has this rough, I don't know how to, you, you kind of see the grains in the metal on the titanium Apple Watch. It's kind of slick. So compared to something like stainless steel, titanium has a relatively high hardness. It makes it a lot more resistant to scratches, which we talked about. And then its stiffness makes it durable enough to withstand bending. Um... I don't I mean with enough force anything can bend. I people are bending iPhones and iPads with their bare hands still if they're really that strong, but it's as strong as steel, 45% lighter. It's twice as strong as aluminum while being only 60% heavier than aluminum and then it's more resistant to corrosion compared to other alloys. So titanium sounds like the future for Apple baby. And that's fine. I mean, I don't it again that if you can make devices lighter and stronger, and they resolve the fingerprint issue. It's going to be kind of one of those nice, subtle things. We're going to see this fancy video of like metal being molded and sculpted when they announce the new titanium iPhone. But I, I feel like if there was a time to do titanium, I'd like to see it on a MacBook Pro to kind of call back to the origins or kind of the history of Apple whenever they release whatever titanium thing they're doing. It doesn't mean it's going to really happen. The The rumor report says iPhone 14, but that, that doesn't mean it's going to be there. But whatever product, they really kind of do this hard push to talk about titanium because they, they mentioned it about the Apple Watch. I want to see it on the MacBook Pro. Apple also recently wins a patent for in-screen touch ID and face ID. So let's kind of connect that back to the report about the IMAX potentially getting face ID in the next couple of years. The main focus of this patent that was put out there is to talk about how Apple's planning 
to potentially, if this becomes true, to embed an image sensor into the display in order to read a fingerprint. Um, so that would be their next generation Touch ID. I mean, we've seen this on plenty of other Android phones that works perfectly fine. Uh, I believe uh, Samsung is using a Qualcomm chip because I, when I went to the most recent uh, Qualcomm kind of yearly conference, they had showed off the faster performing fingerprint sensor. It had a larger touch area. And if you look at something like the Galaxy S21 lineup, uh, specifically, I mean, I use the S21 Ultra. That thing is butter. That thing is smooth and sweet and fast and responsive. So nothing ground shaking here. I've talked about it multiple times, but Face ID, Touch ID integrated in the display. Now, Apple recently released the new betas for iOS 15, iPadOS 15, across the boards for developers. Uh, the, the only thing I really wanted to point out is they've kind of, again, tweaked Safari to make the new layout with the navigation and search bar on the bottom a lot more useful. I'm hoping, I, I'm, I'm really starting to love it now and it's just a lot more useful and convenient and I think they're, they're doing a great job. I've never seen them kind of evolve a key app like that so much. Even, you know, they started making changes on the third beta, now it's the fourth beta. I'm like, I'm down with Safari with it on the iPhone now. I was definitely not before. But in other software news, at least for all of you that can access it right now, Apple's released iOS and iPadOS 14.7.1. This is for the current generation of phones. Uh, current generation, I mean current usable phones. But there's an actual Touch ID fix because there's an issue where if you had an Apple Watch and a phone with Touch ID, which is that physical home button, it wouldn't unlock. And so this newest iPad OS and iOS 14.7.1 fixes that issue. Basically, business as usual. The If you even updated a 14.7, there's about a week, a week and a half. And if your phone wasn't, your unlock wasn't working, that's why. So I'd recommend get the updated addresses, some other security issues. 14.7 was originally a new Apple Card features and support for the MagSafe battery pack. And then 14.7.1 fixes this Touch ID Apple Watch bug. So I'd say go on with yourself and get it. All right, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support me. Thank you so much for all of your support. I'm so grateful for it. It starts at $2 per month. $5 is like a cup of coffee per month. Uh, you got the $10, $25, and the $100 Platinum Apple level. What do you get from it? Early access to my content? bonus rewards at every level, and a completely ad-free version of this show. You will never hear an ad in here if you support it on patreon.com slash Tom. We got Zoom meetups and some other fun stuff. Uh, yes, people that might be waiting for their t-shirts because we do kind of random giveaways and stuff, those are coming. But patreon.com slash Tong is how you support me. Thank you so much. And yeah, this wouldn't be possible without you. All right, let's get to some of the big news this week. I guess at least if you're a hardcore in the weeds, you like want to know every single thing happening with Apple. Well, Apple announced their financial results for the third fiscal quarter of 2021. That would actually correspond to the second calendar quarter of the year. And for this quarter, Apple posted revenues of $81.4 billion, a net quarterly profit of 21 point seven billion dollars another best ever from 
Apple. You know, they, they keep on doing this every quarter. You're like, when is this going to stop? Well, it's still not stopping. So it hit a new quarter record for the June quarter. Apple saw double-digit growth in iPhone upgraders and switchers. You know, that that's one of those key areas where you've kind of felt like people have kind of chosen their platform and stuck to the platform. Apple says, again, they don't reveal exact numbers at all. So you kind of have to just hear them out and figure figure it out. But at least when it comes, they didn't talk about overall. Uh, I, how about this? They weren't bragging about overall sales. But again, it was their largest upgrade quarter for quarter three ever. So they're going to be happy about that. But then they also kind of threw out, hey, a little warning, because even though this has been their best June quarter, Apple said that, right, this whole supply chain issue, the the inability and kind of the squeeze and bottleneck that's happening with chips and components is expected to su- constrain their supplies and affect both the iPhone and the iPad in the coming quarter. So we'll see, they're saying this is the coming quarter. Well, we're going to see how that may or may not affect iPhone 13 that are expected to launch uh, late September to early October, which would be the next quarter. Um, they they don't want to predict that, but it's going to be interesting. I I've got to imagine that this year things aren't magically changing where we're all of a sudden getting a you know a a bunch of new factories just going to pop up in the next few months. So I've got to imagine that the iPhone 13 is going to be a lot harder to get this year than normal. And you know sometimes you always say that, but the chip supply constraint stuff it's finally catching up and it's. Look at how many PS5s uh, Sony announced recently that they sold a record 10 million PS5s. The the best performance in the in the quickest amount of time ever. You know how impossible it is to get a PS5 right now? And it's partially because of demand, but it's really more of a supply thing. So if the PS5 is in a situation like that, how how's that going to affect the iPhone? We'll we'll see. Also, uh, I don't know if a lot of people really need to upgrade to this iPhone 13, quite honestly, unless your phone is on its last legs, because I really feel that the iPhone 14 is going to be kind of that next super cycle, uh, next gen step up from all we've heard the 13 is going to have, you know, improved camera, uh, 120 Hertz, you know, promotion display and some new kind of camera bells and whistles, that sounds kind of like one of those S upgrade years, if you ask me. I I mean, I, I've been doing the MagSafe battery test, and so because I had to like test a bunch of stuff out, I stopped using my 12. The 11 Pro um, reminds me, and I said it in my first review, and people kind of got annoyed with me, the 11 Pro iPhone still feels significantly better in hand than the 12. In fact, I might go on a limb and say the iPhone 11 Pro is the best feeling iPhone in hand ever when you start time out the larger larger ish screen versions. I don't I don't think that can be disputed. Okay, let's get back to some of the earnings. Apple's wearables, home and accessory category set a new June quarter record revenue of 8.8 billion as well. Again, we don't know those numbers, but that includes things like the Apple Watch, the AirPods, AirPods Pro, AirPods Max that I still haven't found uh, because mine's still lost. HomePod, 
Beats headphones and more AirTags also in this category. During the earnings report, Tim Cook said the response to AirTag has been enthusiastic and very strong. But again, we don't get numbers, so we don't know how strong. We're going we're gonna to take their word for it. Also, Apple's services revenue reaches $17.5 billion in quarter three. This is setting a new all-time record for the services area. That's the App Store, Apple Music, Apple Pay, Apple Care, Apple TV+, Apple Arcade, Apple Fitness+, all of that. Uh, they didn't put in iTunes Match. Do some, some of you still do iTunes Match? I, I know there's a lot of people that still do, but the services brought in $17.5 billion during the quarter, up 33% from $13.2 billion in the year-ago quarter. But again, this is the largest they have ever seen. Apple services continues to grow. I'll tell you, they want that to grow a little more. We need more good, juicy content uh, like Apple TV Plus to get me to get on board. We got Ted Lasso Season 2. That's That's the show that keeps me coming back. And there's other good shows. I'm sorry, Mythic Quest... Mm, it doesn't do it for me because it just feels like, you know, an The Office meets video games, but not as good. Sorry, I said it for those who love it. I'm sorry. Uh, Morning Show is good, but that's heavier, but more dramatic. But Ted Lasso, Morning Show, top two shows for me. All right, let's talk about AirTags because Apple is so excited about, ecstatic about them. In their earnings report, Apple also said, hey, uh, for those of you that have AirTags and are worried about your young kids swallowing them or putting them in their mouth, you know, you should still be worried because they're recommending to not use AirTag replacement batteries with a bitter coating. Now, I didn't know this even existed, but I guess they're child safe coin batteries. These are the batteries that, you know, go in watches or your you know other kind of flat devices like air tags or um what else maybe like uh remotes for your car and things of that nature i didn't know that they they co- some of the companies like duracell have put this like bitter coating on the cr2032 batteries to prevent children from eating them did you know that i guess if you have a kid you might know that so what happens is this non-toxic bitter coating reacts with saliva and that's supposed to deter people from swallowing it but they also say from apple that these bitter coatings may not work with the air tag or other battery products depending on the alignment of the coating in relation to the battery contacts so air tag owners don't use those and also cool thing in software from apple really wants me kind of revisit this and play around with this a little bit more Apple announced that GarageBand for iPhone and iPad, they've now received all new sound packs. These are different beats and riffs for free. So this is new producer packs. You know, you got the loops as well. Top producers, Oakfelder, Soul Collection, Take a Day Trip. Okay, those guys, they they're, they just happen to produce like all of the banging hits from Lil Nas X and others. You like Panini? I like Panini. So check out GarageBand. They also have uh, new remix sessions for Dua Lipa and Lady Gaga. I think GarageBand, I've never really used it on my iPad, but you know, traveling on the go will be really good. And finally, you know, for those of you traveling, there is going to be a new Apple Museum opening later this year 
in Poland, and it will feature 1,500 exhibits related to the development and evolution of Apple products throughout their history. It's reportedly said to be the biggest and most complete collection of its kind in the world. That's according to the uh, president and the company behind the exhibition. But I'm going to tell you, I mean, who wouldn't want to check something this out? I wish they had in America. I'm not going to I'm not going to be traveling out to Poland for this. The museum will be spread across 3,500 square feet. There's creative and interactive exhibits with things like Apple computers, laptops, cell phones, software. One of the highlights is an actual working replica of the Apple One signed by Steve Wozniak. This is the starting point for the journey around the museum. So that is the iconic computer that started Apple from their garage with him and SJ. So this is going to be really fun. It's opening later this year, sometime around fall, and it'll be located in the revitalized Norblin factory complex in Warsaw, Poland. So for all my Poland peeps, you got to go check it out. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. We will continue to roll on through. I'm not going to call this a tech drought, but, uh, you know, it might be a little bit of a dry spell when you're talking about the big products and things like that, but it's all good. We're still here. We're having fun with it. If you want to be a part of the show, all you got to do is record a voice memo, send it in, applebitshow at gmail.com. And come on, I'm not going to forget my platinum Apple supporters at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for your support. And everyone, you can support my content and this podcast at patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week. Just a little note, I'm going to be finally, after this pandemic, taking an entire week off to hang out with family and friends. I haven't taken a break longer than three days, and that's only been like one time since this pandemic started. So, you know, you if you've seen, I've been pumping out the content, but my brain just needs to shut it down. So, I'll be gone next week. If big stuff happens, I will put out another AppleBits XL podcast. But if you don't hear from me, it's because I'm actually going to try and enjoy some time off and not look at screens all the time. Crazy, huh? But quite honestly, that's thanks to all of you and your support. So I will be back. We're just going to take a little breather. But until then, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for allowing me to do this. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging. Uh, multiple choice A, B, C, D, all of the above. You're all killing it for me. So that's going to do it for this week. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.